So, I mean, clearly moving a 98-pound dead weight through a casino lobby is an issue, but it would have been fine if Yolanda hadn't freaked out and remembered that she'd left her jockstrap upstairs. That's when it really... Oh, hey, recording's on. Sorry about that. Um, Miskatonic University, comics course, all that. Ignore that. Look, Macau was a thing. We'll just leave it with that, okay? So, um, and that's the reason I can't travel back to China anymore. So, um, I left off something important from the podcast uh, lecture that I published earlier today, and it's important to talk about because it shows how Christopher Priest kind of plays the readers because he doesn't answer one very important question. Now, to get to this, I want to first propose something that may be counterintuitive to some people. First of all, I think some people assume that the material that happens in Jack Kirby's run is meant to occur in the future of the Black Panther. Is that the vibe you got, Rowan? Yeah, because it all makes sense that way. Right, but... He contacts Abner Little, and he contacts the princess from Jack Kirby's run, and they know him. They've had those adventures, too. I assumed it was weird fog bullshit. You assumed they were displaced in time as well? Yeah. I, I could understand that. I think that's a valid argument. But if you look back at Jack Kirby's run, he leaves Kyber Island and immediately transitions into the events... Uh, with the Avengers, which take place in a definite timeline. Mm -hmm. And there's no indication of a time jump there ever, or it's explained. Right? I always just kind of assumed that was the time jump. So, obviously Jack Kirby didn't intend for there to be a time jump, and the writers that picked up from Kirby didn't intend for there to be a time jump, but we could assume that Christopher Priest meant that there was a time jump there. Everyone's writing in that. Right. But let's go back to the fact that Looney Tunes, T'Challa, is a telepath. Now, of course, we know that he picked up those abilities during the Jack Kirby run, right? Mm -hmm. And that's established very clearly in the rewrite of Thor 370 when he tries to read Loki's mind and all that. So he has those weird psychic abilities, you know, a certain kind of danger sense precognition, telepathy, that kind of thing. Uh, those two were kind of explicitly stated. How did T'Challa know that? Because he, our T'Challa, says, well, you have telepathy, right? Did he establish that in past interviews? Or did he know it because he got it in the past? Because those adventures did, in fact, happen in the past. But there's so much stuff he could have dealt with if he was able to read people's minds. But didn't he? I mean, the degree to which he was always one step ahead of everybody that he took out the, the, the white wolf when he was going to betray him, that he did this, that he did that, didn't it seem to go from being badass Batman to, oh my God, his consistency is superhuman? Wouldn't that be explained if he was a telepath and literally told nobody? Right, but this is Christopher Priest. Christopher Priest, I mean, he'll do a Mary Sue, don't get me wrong, but he loves his information games. He loves hiding things from the reader. Now, usually, he'll play around with time and eventually reveal them, but I think it would be right up his alley to keep one big ace that explains everything up his sleeves 
and never give it away, except through something very subtle. Something that people would have to doubt. I, I, I think the intention, because remember, the, here's the other thing. But it doesn't explain his behavior. Well, hold on, hold on. Let, let's look at the timeline, though, because let's remember, Christopher Priest is a comic book nerd. He likes to explain things within continuity. He's not a rewriter. He sees himself as staying true to the material and going back to the core. When people have told him he reinvented Black Panther, he was shocked. He saw himself as staying true to what came before him. Okay, so he rewrote it. But I'm saying that's how he thinks. And what I'm saying is changing the timeline of when events happened would not be staying true to the source. That would not be his intent. And he never explicitly stated it. So I think he left it for people to make that assumption without it actually being true. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think there's some other indicators of that. Now, it is true that Looney Tunes Black Panther was stylistically, shall we say, special. Um, but if we look at the writing of Jack Kirby's Black Panther, he's not as extreme as Looney Tunes Black Panther. I mean, he's, he's not as, as uh, uh, brooding as McGregor's. He's not as terse as Priest, but they're different writers. They're going to write him differently. But let's look at Kirby's. We, he comes in to find the dead guy holding the frog in the very first issue of Volume 1 of Black Panther, and he doesn't make a big elaborate speech. He says... Your friend doesn't seem alarmed at fire visit. In fact, he's not moving at all. And he says, that's sheer nonsense, Mr. Little. Take cover. The killer's still with us. I mean, he's talking like a normal person. He's not... The priest, when writing that Looney Tunes Black Panther dialogue, was not copying this dialogue. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just a casual, oh, there's a dead body in here. Yeah. Yeah, you see that every day. Right. And, I mean, true, he has some dialogue in here that's a little bombastic. You know, T'Challa's off on an adventure. Remember, Looney Tunes' Black Panther is a representation of what he'd want to be. And maybe he cut loose and was a little more romantic and uh, uh, daring do uh, with his language and stuff. But if you read through Kirby's writing, nothing is anything like Looney Tunes' Black Panther. I mean, listen to this dialogue. A king's son must shoulder responsibilities far beyond the ordinary man. Luckily for us, I've been checked out on many planes of advanced design. That's a little awkward speech there. And, you know, he's smiling and the language is a, not quite the tersity of McGregor or Priest. But it's nothing like that huge bombastic speech of Looney Tunes Black Panther. I, I always assumed he was playing that off because of how ridiculous the story was. Yeah, but Priest... And kind of making fun of how extremely pulp it was. Right. And, and, and I think that's legitimate. But I think what we're seeing here is that Black Panther has the head trauma. There is no indication in Jack Kirby's story. Also, let's keep in mind, if this was the Jack... If the Jack Kirby stories took place in the future, that wouldn't mean that he has that degenerative tumor condition. We have no indication in the Jack Kirby run of him having a debilitating condition like that. None. Including, after he gains the psychic powers, he has a careful medical checkup. 
So, again, that would be priests not staying true to the source material. So I think that what we're seeing here is Christopher Priest has basically said what happened was in the Jack Kirby adventure that T'Challa kind of had a walkabout. He got to ditch his responsibilities and go out and be an adventurer, like in his heart of hearts he always wanted to be. And then he returned to his responsibilities in Wakanda. And so he was more playful and a little more energetic and more smiling, but that's because he really wanted to be. And he picked up psychic powers, and then he put that in his back pocket, and he worked as an Avenger and as a king and told nobody about his psychic powers except his doctor. And then years later, as after the tumor was developed, after the fight with Iron Fist, and the condition degenerated more and more, he returned to that state of how he wanted to be, and then it got more and more exaggerated as the tumor got worse. That's what I think Christopher Priest is putting in the back pocket and not saying and letting people make an incorrect assumption. Because I think between the continuity, his nature as a comic book nerd and wanting to stick with continuity, the lack of any indication of a tumor in the original series, and all these other things, that nothing actually indicates that this is from the future. Okay, so, okay, let's get this right. Jack Kirby's run is in the past. Right. But Looney Tunes, Black Panther, is future. Right. Got it. That would make sense. Yeah. And that means that during all this run, with all the stuff that happened in Christopher Priest's run, he's been a telepath. And that's how he stayed three steps ahead of everybody all the time. Now, does this kind of violate a few things? Yeah. Like, McGregor's run in South Africa, where Black Panther clearly does not know what the hell's going on half the time with the people he's talking to, becomes problematic. But I don't think Christopher Priest would have let that stand in the way of him telling a good story. Because he basically had contradictions. Because people completely ignored this run of Black Panther. And I suspect in my heart of hearts that Christopher Priest just liked Jack Kirby's run more than Don McGregor's. Not that, he, not that I'm saying that he degenerated Don McGregor's at all, but Christopher Priest writes larger than life, while Don McGregor sought out a very humanistic side. Meanwhile, Kirby's was also very larger than life. And he saw Kirby as the OG creator of Black Panther, because literally Kirby was one of the original, Kirby and Lee created him and he has said he has been quoted as saying that he wanted to return to the original idea of black panther so i think he would have taken put precedence over jack kirby's writing over don mcgregor's even though the story was batshit and made absolutely zero sense it was batshit it made one percent sense and it was fun as hell no, the little 1% it would have had got destroyed by the frogs. You're, you're just biased because you hate the frogs. You're a racist who is against amphibian rights. And I, I'm sorry, they I, deserve the right to vote. I, <laughs> I do not hate all amphibians. Just because I dislike this group of frogs. We need I mean, equal insects does, for does, equal work. Doesn't mean I hate all frogs. I mean, the humanocracy is just oppressing amphibian rights, and we well, need to become more woke. We've had this talk.
talk, I am not anti-amphibian. Just because I don't like these frogs doesn't mean I hate all frogs and all amphibians. Mm-hmm. Well, you know that iguana put in a HR complaint about you. <laughs> She's a bitch. All right. Well, that's fair. Okay. So, anyway, you got anything else to add before we close this up and uh, they send people in with the sh our medication? You mean your medication. Oh, <laughs> you've been with me long enough. I think they're putting you on the add-on plan. <laughs> no. All right. So, I'll take it you don't have anything else. I'm not The iguana. Oh, see, more racism. See you, folks. Bye. <laughs>